we've met a few of the students of Champion, and now we'll meet some of the leadership of Champion Christian College as well. The chairman of the board of directors of Champion Christian College is Judge Ralph Ohm. He's going to come for a moment. Let's give him a hand. Good morning, everyone. Champion Christian College, right across the street. If you don't know much about it, I suspect by the end of the hour, you will know a lot more. If you do know about it, I suspect by the end of the hour, you will know a lot more. Dr. Grubbs is going to share with us here shortly uh, his vision for Champion and, and a lot of you know, I got to sit through the 9 o'clock sermon, and, and man, he's, he's got a lot to give to you, and it's, it's an incredible opportunity for all of us. You know, I get asked as a district court judge to participate in a lot of things, a lot of worthwhile ministries, a lot of missions, a lot of, I get invited to do a lot of stuff, but you know, I usually say no, to be honest, to most things. I just can't do them all. But something about Champion Christian College, it, it is an honor to serve and be involved in this ministry. It is an honor to serve on the board. And it is a great honor to serve as the chairman of that board. And I want you to know <clears throat> kind of how that all started just real quick. The first time I ever went to Champion Christian College, Pastor Ken Carney was teaching a leadership class. And he asked me to come and speak to the students. And I will tell you, I was just blown away by what I saw when I went into that building. I was so impressed with the building, impressed with the students, impressed with the class. It was just an amazing opportunity. But you know the thing that impressed me the most? was the atmosphere. The presence of the Holy Spirit was thick in that building. The students were incredible. Pastor Ken had done a great job preaching on, on well, I guess teaching, not preaching, but teaching on leadership. And you know, I did my little part. It was an amazing experience. I mean, I, could, I just felt drawn. And so after it's all over with, Ken and I are talking in his classroom. You know, we're having one of those Folger coffee moments where everything's quiet and perfect and peaceful. You ever had one of those? And all of a sudden, I hear, love ya! Love ya! See you tonight! I love ya! Anybody want to guess who that was? And then all of a sudden, this little guy comes in and says, hey, I heard you were in the building. Just want to say hi. And then boom, he's gone. Kind of like, in and out. I fell in love with that guy immediately. I mean, you just can't help but just fall in love with that guy. And I just knew that God was calling me to be a part of this ministry. And I want you to know how important that ministry is. I see some of our students here today, and they were here this morning. Those students really are the future for us. They will be making decisions long after we've gone home. They will be the ones that will decide what happens and where this nation goes. And you know, it is like that rock that you throw in the, in the pond, the rippling effect. Every one of those students that leaves here will impact students, who will impact students, who will impact students. It is an amazing opportunity. That the things that go on at Champion Christian College, I can't even begin to tell you how important that is. The impact on our city, the impact on our county, on our state, on our nation, on our world, and mostly on the kingdom of God. The, the things that are happening here are incredible. And to be a part of that, as you can well tell, I get fired up about it. I can talk to you about Champion anytime you want to, all day long. I love what's going on here. I love being with these students. I love being in that building. You know what? If I had a choice, I would rather be in that building than in my court building. And I like my court building. It's a pretty good building. I get a lot of cool stuff going on over there. Neat stuff going on over here. You know, 
I do say that, though, to tell you, though, Champion does not exist without the support of this church. This is an incredible home church for Champion. We are so grateful for everything that Gospel Light has done for Champion. You know, I mean, you guys started this process, got it rolling. I got to come in and kind of pick up and help out. But then God has brought some great people to help out and to help us move to the next level as far as accreditation and recruiting. And just some great things happening here. But without Gospel Light, without your deacons, without your elder support, this would not be happening. And I personally want to thank you absolutely from the bottom of my heart because I want you to know how important it is your support of Champion is. And then, you know, last but not least, I actually met Dr. Grubbs in August of 2014. In fact, Dr. Grubbs was here doing an in-service before schools were getting ready to start, and Pastor Eric had asked me to come and meet the guy. And so I thought, you know, it's probably a good idea. I probably ought to do that. And so, unfortunately, sometimes my court runs long, and that day it did run long. And so I got here as fast as I could, but I only got to hear about 10 minutes of Dr. Grubbs' uh, presentation. And I will tell you, just in that 10 minutes, I was impressed by Dr. Grubbs. I was impressed with his knowledge, his commitment. I was impressed with his love for students and for education. And it, it, it was just neat to get to know this guy, even that very brief window that I got to know him. And so over the course of the next six to eight months, we corresponded, we talked, we, he came and saw us a couple of times, and, and we got him to agree to come and, and get back involved with Champion. And I will tell you, he's made a huge impact on Champion and on our students. And, you know, he... He's one of those guys that he tells you what he thinks. And, you know, frankly, we don't agree on everything all the time. And, I mean, in fact, he'll go, you know, I don't care what you think. Even if you're a judge, it don't matter. Finally found somebody to tell me the truth. Of course, I get to respond with, well, I don't care that you're a doctor. It don't matter. And usually we come somewhere in the middle and, and we, we reach a great conclusion. I really respect Dr. Grubbs immensely and thank the world to him. And I will tell you, even though we have a few little differences, and those are very minor and very few, we absolutely agree totally and completely on Champion Christian College. And we are both committed to this school. We love this school. We love these students. We want to see this school thrive and become that mega power for the kingdom here on earth. And so with that, I give to you Dr. Grubbs. Good morning. One thing that uh, Judge didn't tell you is that um, I am not a preacher, I'm a teacher. He did not tell you that I am not a pastor, but I am a professor. And this morning I want to make you think. I would encourage you to take your bulletin and notice because there are some things written on it that we're going to be discussing. For the last two Sundays, our pastor has been challenging, challenging us to look out upon our nation, how it has changed from a Christian nation to a violent and sin-plagued nation. It would be my guess that many of you today are feeling just a little bit better than you did last Sunday. Last week, when preacher asked me to speak today, I told him, I would, but I could not give him a title to my message until late, late Tuesday evening. On Wednesday morning, I began to ask my friends, well, how are you today? 
And I heard a word repeated time after time. It was the word reprieve. God has given us a reprieve. I heard that a dozen times. For the last several years, I have been enumerating the judgment of God on Israel and comparing it to the stages of judgment I believe we have seen on the horizon. And I tell you honestly that if the events of Tuesday had been different, I would be preaching this morning on how a Christian must respond to judgment. I do believe that God has given us a window of reprieve. It's probably a very small window, but this small window of reprieve, I believe that the state of America today, right at this moment, is exactly the same as the state of Nineveh the day after the whale deposited Jonah on her shores. God's judgment is awaiting the response of people, and especially awaiting the response of the people of God. This small window of reprieve is a window of opportunity, and I believe it has been given us given to us primarily because of the prayers of God's people. The people across America, the Christians across America, have been pouring out their heart. They realized that this was a God that said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And I believe it is that that has given a reprieve as God's people have prayed, God help us in this moment. I will confess to you that I'm going to have to turn and look back there once in a while because the one out here isn't working. And right now you should have a picture on your screen That's not a pleasant picture. It is a scene of violence. Violence across America. There are riots. Anarchy is erupting in 30 major cities of America. And notice these are mostly college students. Products of the American universities. And ladies and gentlemen, I challenge us today in the face of this that's happening right now. I challenge us as individuals, as families, as church members to rethink our Christianity. Rethink means to meditate, to ponder, to really deliberate, to rethink our Christianity. I want to begin this process of rethinking by referring to Jesus' prayer that's found first on your bulletin. This was just before his death. And remember in John 17, that great prayer, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son might glorify thee. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world, and they have kept thy word. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, 
but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so send I them into the world. And then will you notice very carefully, and this is why I have read it. I want you to see that Jesus was praying for us today in America. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. And ladies and gentlemen, dear Christian, we have believed. The written word they left behind told us. And Jesus prayed for us. And not only prayed for us then, he is now at the Father's right hand interceding for us as we pray. And his prayer, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. It's very clear from this that you and I, Christian, we are in this world. But we're not of this world. Jesus said, I send them into the world, but they are not of this world. Who are we? What does it mean, not of this world? I believe that we must rethink first our calling. We speak of calling as a vocation, as a purpose. And we need to rethink our purpose. What is our calling? The Word tells us that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him that has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peggy and I went to Minnesota a few weeks back, and we stayed all night in Peculiar Iowa, that's the name of a town. And that town was named Peculiar because they were Christians. And they came out there to settle that as a different kind of people, a peculiar people. In fact, nearly all of America in those early years were settled by different groups of peculiar people, special people, God-chosen people. Now look at this, a chosen generation. Dear Christian, that's who we are. We are chosen generation, and we're here at this time to complete the Great Commission. We're a royal priesthood. A priest was one that stood before the people for God, and stood before God for the people. We're a priesthood. And holy nation. Christian, we're a holy nation. That word nation means a holy culture. To show forth the praises of him, there's a purpose. This is the calling that God has given to every one of us. It's not just the calling for our pastor and for our church leaders. It's the calling for the people. We're in this world. But we are not of this world. Now, secondly, we are called a holy nation. 
holiness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And you and I must rethink this calling, a calling of holiness. Secondly, not only must we rethink our calling, but we must rethink our culture. Now, in the same bulletin, notice I've given a definition of what the, how the anthropologists talk about culture. This is not my definition. This is the standard definition for culture. Culture is a shared understanding of life of a given group of people based upon their commonly accepted, notice this carefully, values, beliefs, and ethics as expressed by their rituals, symbols, history, and heroes and are passed from one generation to the next by imitation, by communication, and by education. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you This is, I believe, and I have studied education for the last 50 years, and this is the greatest book on education and educational standards and policies and principles that I have ever found. A culture. Now, this church was designed as a separate culture, that peculiar people we were talking about a people different from the world. I ask you, how are we different? First, we are from a different source. Do you realize, dear Christian, that the same God that fathered Mary's child literally conceived you? When you first embraced Jesus Christ as personal Savior, the Spirit of God actually conceived that new spirit being in your person. This is so true that Peter declares that whosoever is born of God, and that word is conceived of God, his seed remaineth in him. Think of that, dear Christian. I had been pastoring for about ten years before I realized that. And I'll never forget the day that I understood that I was a spirit-conceived son of God. A little poem escaped my lips. Kill me some may. Conquer me nothing can. I am the spirit of God fused in the soul of man. And dear Christian, that's your source. That's who you are. And that's why you have that spatial calling. And it's why we must live in a spatial, spatial culture. Just think, we're not of this world. I'm an alien here. I'm an extraterrestrial being. I'm a son of sovereign God. And the culture of Christ's church must become, first of all, a culture of love. Do you remember the first commandment of the, or the highest commandment of the Old Testament? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Remember that? And what was second unto it? And thy neighbor as thyself. And now Jesus in the upper room said to his disciples, he said to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then he said, a new command give I unto you. A new command. 
that you love one another, a culture of love. The judge was talking about his first kind of being startled by seeing that culture of love verbalized. And I will tell you, the pastor has really trained this church into a culture of love. Not only is it a culture of love, but it must become a culture of holiness. You remember throughout the New Testament, we have many writers, Paul especially, telling us, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. He said, what concord has Christ with Belial? And what agreement has the temple of God, which temple ye are, with idols? For God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And then he said, therefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, the Lord has called us to not only the culture of love, but a culture of purity, a culture of holiness, a culture that stands out before the world as that peculiar people because of their holy thinking. My, we need to rethink our Christianity, don't we? Rethinking our calling, rethinking our culture, and now thirdly, we need to rethink our children. Now, what do I mean by that, rethinking our... Remember, look again at that definition in your bulletin. It said that they passed it on. They passed it on to the next generation. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from that. Now, think very deeply, because I believe we have largely failed in American Christianity to keep God's mandate concerning education. First, the home. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, God laid out the instruction for parents. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and these words which I command you. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house. Think of this. The new generation learning by imitation, by communication. And notice in this passage, it talks about every whit. When you're rising up, lying down, when you're working, when you're walking in the way, every part of that child's life needs to be contained within, train up that child in the way he should go. Teach them diligently. Now, if we had read the next five verses after this, you will find God saying this. He said, I'm giving you a plea and I'm giving you a warning. When you come into the new land, 
promised unto Abram, Isaac, and Jacob with houses that you built not, with wells that you dig not, with vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you have eaten and are full, then beware, beware lest you forget the Lord your God. Fear God and do not go after the gods of the people round about you. Now this is the teaching and training ordained in the home. And the New Testament endorses this. And then it adds, the second educational institution that God ordained for his people is the church. The church is God's educational arm. Even the Great Commission is an educational command for the church. Now, the first verse of that Great Commission says, and I'm paraphrasing, as you go, make disciples. The King James says, as you go, teach. And that word teach, it's not the word for pedagogy, it's the word for enrolling a student in a college. As you go, make disciples. As you go, ye are my witnesses. As you go, and as we just heard sung that beautiful song, show your love to the people. And then that second, which is now as the church assembles, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you, even unto the end of the world. You see, the home and the church are God's ordained vehicles for education. Now, I want to talk to you for a few moments, not as a preacher, but as a lifelong student of education. What was Jesus' philosophy of education? Do you ever think about that? Now, we have our students write their philosophy of education every year the teacher training students. And what was Jesus' philosophy of education? Now, you might want to turn in your Bibles to the sixth chapter of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. We'll see part of it on the screen, but there's a lot more there. You will find that Jesus has been preaching, and he begins to summarize in verse 19 of the sixth chapter. When he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves cannot break through and steal. And then in verse 19 he said, for, or 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now what is a treasure? Something valuable. Something you search after. And then in verse 22, he said, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. And then he said, No man can serve two masters. Now let's look at these as the philosophy of Jesus for education. Treasures. These are valuables. He is saying the very first pillar of education is a value system. Now, what is the purpose of a value system? A value system is the driver for decision. Or let me say it this way. 
every decision your child will ever make will be based upon a value that he holds. You know, when we're told to write down our values, very few of us can really write down our values. But what we can do is we can uh, watch a person for 24 hours and watch their decision-making, and you can find out their values very quickly. Every decision is driven by a value. And we need to teach values as the first great foundation stone of life, both by our imitation, our communication, and our training. And then Jesus spoke about eyes. Paul, to the Ephesian church, said it this way. He was praying for them. And he prayed that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. The eyes of your understanding. You see, it's like the glasses of your mind. And Jesus said, if your eyes are single or of single focus, you'll see clearly. But if they are different, dual focused, you'll have a problem. We use the present term worldview. The worldview is how you interpret reality, how you see reality and it brings it into your mind and how it interprets it. That's a worldview. And Jesus is saying that worldview must not be the scientific materialistic worldview of our present day, nor the humanistic worldview of our present day. One makes matter the base of interpretation. The other makes man the golden rule of interpretation. And we must have a worldview that is biblical. That God is the source of all power, life, and being. And we must interpret every facet of our reality. And we must train our students. At Champion, we have just been reviewing our total education, our total curriculum. And we are basing these upon values, the worldview, and then thirdly, authority. The picture we saw of the unruly mob proves authority has left our training centers. Authority. Now, I will tell you that these things are some of the most misunderstood facets of education today. As we talked about that worldview, any of you, and especially your children, that have been schooled by state or government education are trying to understand Christianity with a worldview of scientific humanism. Our young people, and I'm talking not here, but I'm talking across America now, our Christian young people claim Christ, but have a worldview that is strictly humanistic. And they will be confused. And this is why 96% of those after four years of college, well, let me give you the background for that. Several years ago, Campus Crusade did a study of the sons and daughters coming from Christian homes and good biblical churches. After several years of study, they said 96% of the sons and daughters of Christians in biblical churches are losing their faith after four years at the university. And other studies have since confirmed that. This is tragic. No man can serve two masters. 
Think of this violence that's erupted. We must teach authority. The culture of our nation has before our very eyes become the culture of the prince of this world. And we're living in it. Now, in this next slide, I want us to talk locally. Ponder now how the home and church, being the only ordained institution for teaching and training, why do we have gospel light schools? Why do we have Champion College? Champion College believes that the home and the church are the God-ordained areas for education. And what we want to do is to be the extension of the home, to take those sons and daughters you have trained and now help them really solidify life and vocation. We want to take those that have met Christ here in the church, been trained through youth groups and through MAD and through the busing, and we want to be the extension to do a finishing work, be a finishing school for those of these students. Since this is Champion College Day at the church, let's get specific about some of the needs. Take your bulletin once again. And please look at the very bottom, that square down there. For more than a decade, Champion has had a home nestled in Gospel Light Baptist Church. When the college began, it was thought that we could live and grow from student payments. But now, especially as we move toward accreditation, it is mandatory that we have a support base of at least $20,000 each month. Now, this is not at all unusual. I've been the president of three other colleges, and I will tell you that every one of them needed a huge support base. And all of the private schools in America have to realize from 35 to 40% of their income from outside donors. Now, we do have a few persons that are presently giving, some from 50 and up to 500 a month, and we have a few churches that are giving, but outside of those, this church is our only constituency. And uh, from what the churches and those now giving are giving, it's about 6,000 of the need of 20,000. And then we also do have a faith foundation for prayer with about 1,000 people praying daily. And now we are asking God to help us through dear friends not only to support our college in prayer, but to support our college in provision. Now look again at what this says. The president has taken the challenge. And do you see the name of the campaign? Champion Now! This speaks of urgency. Right now, we must have help to pay our faculty and staff. Right now, we must move to the next level of accreditation. And let me tell you, it is almost impossible to recruit students in this day and age without accreditation. Champion Now is also our prayer to God for the future of Champion. And at this most critical window of opportunity in our nation, I tell you, our graduates are needed across the nation. 
We need them as pastors. We need them as teachers. We need them out there living for Christ. Now, we have spoken of this. This challenge that the pastor is taking is to find 1,000 people who will say, I will be God's vehicle to give $10 each month. And we're going to ask you today to consider that. You have a card that's in the pew ahead of you, a card with a picture of the college and some verses on it. Will you take a card, please, at this time and just look at it? And on the back of this, we ask you to ask God if he will provide through you an extra $10. Now, $10 is not very much. I went out for breakfast the other morning. It cost me more than $10. Go to Starbucks a couple times, more than $10 just flies out. And we're asking that 10 could fly to God. And I'm speaking now to everyone that God has provided with a job, everyone that has an income. I'm asking if you would ask God to consider becoming a Faith Foundation member for a provision for Champion. We're going to, in just a moment, ask our ushers to come forward, look on the back of the card, and you will see there's a place for name, address, phone, and email, especially email. That's how we will communicate. And then what you believe that God will provide through you, we're asking that we consider that $10 a month. Will the ushers please come forward? As you take a moment, and we're going to pray. We're going to give you a moment to pray to God yourself and ask, what can I do, God, on this urgent need? And then I'm going to ask Judge Ohm to come back and pray for us just before we collect these cards. First, let's pray in silence. God, what will you have me do? Father, we just come to you. You know the need is great, but we know that you provide. We know you provide miracles daily. God, this is such a great ministry opportunity. Father, I just pray for every person in this room that the Holy Spirit will talk to them and lay on their heart a desire and the ability to join this champion family. Father, I pray for Gospel Light School. I pray for Champion. As Dr. Grubbs has pointed out, the need for those ministries is greater than ever. And although we may be in a, a reprieve at this point, the attack will again soon. Father, these young people need our support. But more importantly, we need them. God, just be with these young people as they carry the torch. Father, I pray special for Champion. I pray special for this foundation. Father, I pray for every person. I pray for the faculty and staff. You've blessed us with such great faculty, such great staff, such great facilities. 
And Father, I pray that you will help us as we reach out and take that next step. And we know that we cannot do that alone, that it has to be through you. Father, please bless every person, every family here today. And I pray and join with Dr. Grubbs and request that they join this faith foundation. In Jesus' very precious name I pray, amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to just take a few moments more to close. I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, just to notice a couple verses that will be on your screen. This is the last letter that Jesus wrote to the seven churches. I believe it depicts the last age of the church in which I believe we are now living. The last letter and he said to them because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked buy of me gold tried in fire that thou mayest read it that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and anoint thine eyes. Do you notice gold treasures? White raiment, holiness. Eyes have the worldview that thou mayest see. Now think of this. As John first saw Jesus giving him this vision, he saw the resurrected Christ walking amongst seven candlesticks that he said are the seven churches. And in his hand, he was holding seven stars, which were told were the pastors of these seven churches. Now, in this last church, he is not walking amongst the churches. He is outside. And being outside, he is saying unto them, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come into him 
and will sup with him and he with me. Today we have been speaking about rethinking our Christianity and rethinking it in a very perilous time. And I believe that Jesus is for some today knocking for entrance, claiming to be a Christian but truly not according to that call we saw. And today, the Lord Jesus is knocking on your door. And I believe he is saying to us, let's, let's humble ourselves. Let's confess our sin. Let's seek God's face. Let's become the true people of God. And will you think about that very, very carefully as we close? We've been challenged by the Word of God this morning. And I think it's so powerful how that we have a Savior who knocks on the door. He knocked on the door of our hearts and drew us to salvation. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And you hear that knocking. It's Jesus saying, hey, why don't you be my child? Aren't you tired of trying to portray your own righteousness? Come to me and I'll forgive your sins. Maybe it's not that, though. Maybe it's someone here who... It's, we're saved, we're a believer, we're a follower of Christ, but our hearts are cold towards him. We're lukewarm. And Jesus is knocking. He's saying, let me in. Let me, let me in. Let me into your family. Let me into your marriage. Let me into your personal life. Let me just surrender to me. And today, if Jesus is knocking, let's answer the door. Our musicians are going to come and they're going to sing our, our song of invitation. And let us each ask God, say, God, are you knocking on my heart? Is it that I need to be saved? Is it that I need to be supportive of champion and be involved in prayer and giving? Is it something that maybe wasn't even mentioned specifically, but God, you are knocking about that area of my life and I want to surrender to you. That's what this time is for. It's a time for you to come forward and pray and I'll be here. Others will be here. and We'd love to pray with you. Now let's stand right now. Let's sing our song. What a Savior, my Redeemer, friend of sinners, one like me. Oh, what kindness, suffered violence, and healed my blindness, and set me
because of how you're working. Father, help us to see how we are part of that and, and can, can, can continue